0: another episode of Crown Jewels Podcast with your boy G-Mo Crate. Today, I got a special guest with me, Nick. Go ahead and introduce yourself. Hey, what's up,
1: y'all? This
0: is Nick, and let's get this cracking. Bet, bet. So, man, I've known you for like 100 years, you know what I'm saying? So, you was one of my St. Louis people who also came down to Texas. You came before me. I think you promoted me to go ahead and come on down here and deal with this uh, ridiculous heat, these ridiculous people and stuff, you know what I'm saying? So, uh, I appreciate that. Salute to you.
1: Not these ridiculous people. Man. <laughs> I, well, I will agree with you on that. However, you know you do not miss those cold winters.
0: You ain't lying, man. Winters in St. Louis is a bitch, man. I, I can't even stand to you. I don't miss no snow. Uh, I don't miss no crazy driving. No um, bullet flying. Man, definitely not at all. Not at all. So, tell me what uh, brought you to Texas.
1: So, I came to Texas more so for Opportunity. Um, but at the same time, you know, it's crazy back home. A lot of people getting killed literally months before I moved to Texas. I was in a, a point where I was almost reconsidering because I wanted to stay and watch my niece grow up. Um, but I had a friend who actually got shot multiple times, flatlined twice on the operating table and pretty much almost didn't make it. At that point, I was like, you know what? That's too close to home. So I got to leave.
0: I feel you. Like I, I was doing security back home man. of course, you know that, but like I was doing security back home and like, I never had this feeling before, but I had this, this eerie feeling of like death upon me, like where it, it was making me actually nervous as hell to live in St. Louis. Like I felt like I was going to get killed if I didn't leave out of St. Louis. So I definitely uh, can understand coming and relocating and restarting and all of that. So where you go to school? What do you mean? College.
1: College. Yeah. Um, I've been all over the place. Uh, <laughs> I started off at Dillard in New Orleans, freshman year, relocated to SEMO, uh, and I pretty much, I was there up until 2007, until I decided to move back to St. Louis, and I ended at UMSL.
0: Okay. Okay. And you Greek, right?
1: Yes, I am Greek.
0: Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, but like I was saying, like back to the ridiculous people, um, being in Texas, you know, being in Texas, I can actually say it's some of the best opportunity um, I've ever witnessed being from St. Louis, some of the best jobs, some of the fastest hiring jobs, some of the uh, nicest people you want to meet as far as like networking and moving forward. Like I've never seen so many active black people together at once, like really like pumping for the culture. And as much great things as I have to say about Texas, as flash Texas is, as far as that, and the, and the weather better, of course, but the dating.
1: Uh, was, the, <laughs> I'm not even going to start there. <laughs> the,
0: the dating is trash. It's trash can juice.
1: Well, it's like, one of those things where it's like you have a lot of people who were raised. Old-fashioned, you know, where they expect you know, women in general. They expect the men to cater to their every need. Mm-hmm. A lot of people here, they get married at a young age. I'm talking about anywhere between 19 to 22. Yep. They probably have been divorced twice by the time you met them, or they still married and they just know where they range, So <laughs> <Right>. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Yeah, so, like, I can totally say that that's the worst thing about Texas. Like, I, like you run across and that's the thing it's like the only difference I'm not going to say the only difference but the thing that I noticed is that they will charm the shit out of you and play you at the same damn time I've never seen that I've never seen like usually back home if they don't really rock with you they're going to treat you like shit from the jump you know what I'm saying and they're going to let you know that they don't really rock with you I've never been charmed so well like felt good after getting rejected at the same time you know what I'm saying
2: (laughs) I remember
0: when I first got here, I was walking through Walmart. I saw, saw a nice looking little chick, and I was like, you know what? I'm gonna go ahead and shoot my shot. So I goes over to her. I was like, yeah, I'm like, I'm new to town. I'm like, you know, you gonna be my chaperone? I know my game weak. You know what I'm saying? My game hella cheesy. So you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, I will own up to it. But she was like, no, no, thank you. I, I do apologize, but you have a great night. And I was like, damn. I was like, she shot me down hard. But I was like, but I felt okay. Like, I was like, damn, I, I felt...
1: <laughs> back home, it would have been a lot worse.
0: <laughs> I felt well. I was like, well, I was like, shit, you too. You know what I'm saying? So- I mean,
1: but, I mean, I, I've only dated one person that's actually from Texas. And even just through that whole process, for one, it was it was kind of new because the guy was 10 years older than me. But he still kind of had like that... That's Southern, that welcoming Southern spirit. So, mm-hmm. you know, I was open to it. But I just started realizing I do have some straight mental issues. Like, I don't know. I guess I'm a magnet for crazy, but I've been running into a lot of crazy people lately. And you was definitely <laughs> the top one. <laughs> man.
0: But they hear, but They hear, man. I'm telling you, like, I've dated a few people from Dallas. Uh, I've dated some people from Louisiana.
1: Mm-hmm. Now with
0: Louisiana. It's the difference. It's like you got New Orleans, Louisiana, and you got everybody else, Louisiana.
2: Yeah, New
0: Orleans. Yeah. So it's like I've dated from there. I've dated New York, uh, L.A., Detroit, Chicago. I'll be out out here a little bit. (laughs) Let me quit talking. I'm putting myself out there real quick. I got to say that uh, the one thing that um, being here, the thing that, in my personal opinion, it gave me a new appreciation for Midwest women. Midwest women are something special. Like you you take them for granted while you in St. Louis or, you know, whatever Midwestern city. But when you get down here, you see, um, how the women are here can pray, and nothing wrong with the women here, it's just culture, you know, it's, it's all a culture shock. Everything the way that the women, it's nothing wrong with the women here, it's just the way that's the way they brought up, so they're accustomed that's to That's definitely
1: it. the way that they're brought up. And you're not the only person who has told me that. So I actually have a co worker, um, from St. Louis, and he was telling me pretty much he doesn't like vag women because it's almost like. They are gold diggers. So I can
0: definitely understand that. See, And and I always had this analogy. I was like, the women, like I always, you know, everybody from St. Louis or wherever you come from somewhere else, you have this preconceived notion that I'm going to come to Texas and I'm going to find me a Southern Bill. Southern Bill, like that's big. You think Southern Bill, she's going to cook, she's going to be sweet as pie. She's a good nurturer. And granted, she might be all of that, but it's a certain culture where the women here are used to Men being men. Like they dads probably took care of home. Their yeah, mom probably yeah. didn't work. So even though I don't, I don't met some very highly successful women here. And even though they're highly successful, they still looking for a man who's going to be a man and fill those shoes to uh, take care of home, which it can be definitely for out of towners, it can be definitely confusing uh, a gold digger and uh, a Southern Bill. They definitely have some similar morals. But definitely, <laughs> man, it's, I'm telling you, like, check that out. I be putting stuff together because I be thinking this shit. And I probably be crazy as hell. Right. But I was like, all right. The, the only difference I noticed between a Southern Bill and a, a gold digger is a Southern Bill. Tends to want to find a man who is um, of Christ. You know what I'm saying? He's of Christ. Uh, he he leads in a religious sense because he's, he's going to take care of the home and nurture her and things like that, but he's usually of Christ some kind of way. Uh, he's kind of around that Bible Belt mentality. The gold diggers, on the other hand, they don't care. Whoever got the bread, whoever got the payday, come with it, and I'll take care of your house and everything like that. Yeah. I mean,
1: well... <laughs>
0: this <laughs> is my you, analogy. That you might be... <laughs> definitely should have called
1: me before you dated somebody
0: from the Orleans. I could have told you that that was a no-go. <laughs> uh, ooh, look, man. I dated one person from New Orleans, and I can tell you, didn't even date them for long—maybe two months—and then you know how when you are breaking up with somebody, y'all had that one word month at the end. Uh-huh. Yeah, so it's probably three months total, but probably like two months solid. Um, crazy—that's one word.
2: I believe it. Crazy, <laughs> like
0: possessive. Crazy, like like I've never been with a person that didn't want all of my time. But then wanted to act like they didn't want my time. But then wanted to compete with me. But then wanted to like
2: compete with
0: you. Compete like like <laughs> everything was a challenge. Everything was okay. Are uh, uh, you when they got the the Note five? Man, I want to got the Note eight.
2: You know what I'm saying? Like,
0: oh, uh, you when and got you went to this store and bought this couch. I bought that couch too, but with the love seat. Like everything was competition. Like I would be like, uh, "Hey, uh, I hope your day going well." What you mean by that? What, what are, you, are you trying to be? Are you trying to be sarcastic? Or are you trying to like? It was always. A, I was like, "Dude, you crazy."
1: That that's New Orleans people in general. Like when I was going to school there, I ran into a lot of crazies to the point where I had to realize where I was because at the time. St. Louis wasn't number one as far as being the murder couple. New right. Orleans was. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, I had a few run-ins. Like, I ended up meeting this guy, um, and it was just like he was just so persistent. He kept wanting me to go out. I didn't feel comfortable about the whole situation just because of how possessive he seemed. So, I told him, I said, okay, you know, you can come on campus one night, you know, we'll chill in the parking lot, we'll hang. Right. I got in that car. That fool locked the doors, the windows. I could not get out. He was driving me all around New Orleans, down alleys and stuff. I'm like, oh my God, I'm texting people like, y'all got to get me out of this damn car. I don't know where I'm at. He claimed he didn't know where we was at. He tells me, oh, I mean, you know, I know you don't like going shopping. So, you know, I'll get you some little, you know. Some little Payless shoes here and there. Payless, he, Payless. <laughs> 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 little, I You know, I get you some little Wranglers here and there. He was like, "Cause I know you don't like shopping. You know, get you a little Chinese school. You'll be happy." And I'm like, "What though?" He was like, "Yeah." He was like, "Man, I already know it." Cause at the time, I was actually already considering on going back to uh St. Louis for school. Yeah. So he was like, "Yeah, you know, I'm gonna make sure you you don't want to stay." I'm like, no, nah, because what you're doing, I'm, I'm I'm not wanting to stay right now. Like, I want to jump out this car, but I can't because you got these <laughs> windows locked. <laughs> I mean, dude was like dead serious. Like, that night, that was the first time that me and him had ever even, you know, got into the vicinity with one another outside of when I first met him. Mm-hmm. So, he was taking me to meet his family. I'm like, dude, I'm not getting out this car. I'm not meeting anybody.
0: That was yeah, I, I definitely believe all of that. Because, like I said, <laughs> that girl was... She was crazy. Like I'm telling you, a person who seemed like that she she didn't want to be happy. Like she wanted to purposely sabotage. Like she had it in her mind that I was dating somebody else because I stopped coming around as much. And and I'm like,
1: I mean, but that's any female
0: though. But dude, she was tripping, man. Like I'm
1: like, but did you ever try to talk to her about it?
0: Yeah. It, it started being uncomfortable when we coming where was she around.
1: Where from? The 7th Ward?
0: I don't even know, man. I forgot.
1: You forgot?
0: I don't think I ever asked. I think when I just said New Orleans... It, no. I don't, I don't no, know. No, no. You so know what I mean?
1: To, when you meet somebody from New Orleans, you need to find out what ward they from. Because people, you know, even though it's New Orleans, all of them are crazy.
0: And then she used to talk to me all tough. She used to call me bruh. Yeah. I was like... <laughs> I wasn't used to that. I'm a Bay type of dude. You know what I'm saying? Like, she was like, she like, she like, say, bro, say my G. And I'm like, wow, like, but she used to be tripping. And then, like, I remember one time I was out in the street passing out flyers for a Then I was uh, throwing. And this girl walked up to me and she grabbed my arm and she was like, say. And I'm like, yes. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, what you mean? She was like, yeah. She was like what are what are the, the clubs that's popping around here? and I'm like what you trying to do I'm like you trying to see something nice you want to go with a ratchet Are you trying to get ratchet, ratchet. she was like I'm trying to get ratchet. ratchet. she was like she was like yeah so uh I'm like
1: bounce
0: yeah like so I was like man <laughs> at the time I think I told about our club here uh Park avenue so I was like check out Park avenue she was visiting or something and so she was like you sure this gonna be ratchet. I was like, yeah. She was like, because I'm trying to turn up on Bloods. I said, oh, what the fuck? What did I just walk into? On Bloods? I wasn't even ready. I wasn't prepared to handle that last statement. She was definitely not going to
1: walk up before the Park Avenue. That type of. <laughs> she was
0: on bloods. I said, "Jeez, like it wasn't even." Uh, that's shocked the shit out of, of me. How kind of many
1: chicks was you running
2: into? I don't
0: know. So t- then I had another Louisiana one, Alexandria, liar, straight out liar, lie about everything, duh. like couldn't even help but lie. And yeah, so new, me in New Orleans, I don't have a good. I love the accents from Louisiana, uh, from uh, New Orleans. But me and Louisiana, we don't have a good rapport no more. Yeah. So, yeah, I had to chill out.
1: Yeah, I had, I, didn't have, I, I had another experience, but that's not uh, for this radio. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Let's just say that that kind of became like a stalker situation.
0: You was in school?
1: No, I wasn't. I wasn't in school. I was actually back home just chilling. Yeah. <laughs> that that was kind of like a little black planet type you know, wow. situation. <laughs> and trust me, after that, I was like, I'm definitely, after all those years, I was like, yes, now it's the time to delete Black Planet. <laughs> yeah,
0: so Speaking of, of schools, you know what I'm saying, what you think about this school shooter down in Florida?
2: Um,
0: well, for everybody who haven't heard, I, you know what I mean, like me, I don't really know much about the situation, but apparently a school shooter in Florida, um, was a 19-year-old man, used to go to the school. I believe he was participating in the GED program. They said that he had some kind of psychological issues, decided to go to his former school, shoot it up, and was successful with shooting it because apparently he shot about 17 different children. What's, What's your thoughts on that?
1: I mean, I've also heard that he was a part of a white supremacist group. Um, I've also heard that, you know, of course, he had issues at home, you know, just the way he grew up. And I just really feel like it's just an excuse because had it been one of us or one of ours,
2: mm-hmm.
1: it would have been a whole different story. It's every time you see a white child go through something or them do something, you're always creating an excuse. You're not solving the problem. Now, you don't see none of us going up in our school just straight shooting up. You know, all these schools. No. But I mean, any anything that we do that we try to, I mean, I guess, you know, help our people or just try to, you know, stand up for our people. It's always an issue, just like the whole situation with Black Lives Matter. That's a hate group. Right. But, but what about all these other groups? And now you're, they're saying that this little boy was a part of a, a white supremacist group and you trying to smooth it over by all these other issues. We got a lot of issues. Everybody has issues. But so that doesn't make his situation no better, or I mean, I mean the whole fact that they cater into him, and they've been catering to all these other fools. It doesn't shut up churches, and, all, and then all this other stuff, movie theaters. Yeah. like that pisses me off.
0: Yeah, and I feel you, and also the piggyback off of like the Black Lives, uh, uh, the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, I hate that every time they speak on black on the Black Panther, the Black Panthers, that they, they always call them a radical. Black group, like you know what I'm saying, yeah. an extremist black organization, you know what I'm saying, and I, I like that's fucked up. Just I ain't know where to sugarcoat it. I think it's fucked up, you know what I'm saying. That's how they address these people who started a program originally feeding people in their community and and policing the police who were offering brutality to other black folks. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, and I definitely agree with that. Um, but that to for me that also goes to say you know when it comes to like schools mm-hmm. in general. You know, just like the whole Black Panther movement and all that stuff, they glorified pretty much the negative things about the organization. They never spoke about the positive things. So, in any situation, not just dealing with this Florida shooter, I feel like it, it starts in the home, both with white and black people. You have to teach your children our history, especially when you have people trying to change our history and make it seem like it's something that it wasn't. Right. And everybody keeps on saying, okay, well, you know, When it comes to black people, they want us to, oh, well, you got to do this and you need to work on it in the home. And, you know, just all these, all these different excuses, just pretty much trying to make it seem like black people are failures as a whole. But at the same time, this little boy, whoever took him in, they should have started at home. They should have started loving him more, teaching him what right from wrong. That starts from the home. It's not just with one culture. That's with everybody.
0: I totally agree. I totally agree. And um. With the whole situation, I think it's waking out. I was interested in hearing your perspective on it, seeing that, like, we came up in the era of the first major school shooting, the Columbine situation. And I feel like that what America is doing is they're trying to low-key desensitize us to this. That When it happened, it's just like, ah, oh, it happened again. But like I said, like, you look at, like, someone like Tamara Rice, they called him a grown man, a 12-year-old boy who was shot. But they calling this guy a a, a a child, a troubled child, and he's nineteen years old. Fuck that, he's a grown man. And
1: that's all to me. That's all the whole the whole perspective. Like, and I know some people pretty much don't really agree, but I feel like that's almost like the point where they're trying to brainwash the community to look yeah, at black are. people at as pretty much you know we're inferior and it's, it's you know somebody, we're somebody that they should actually fear that we're yeah. a bigger threat than what we really are. I mean, at the same time, it's just like you have people who are fighting for Black Lives Matter, but at the same time, you turn around and you still looking at a lot of us as criminals.
0: Yeah, yep. Yeah. So I totally agree, though. I totally agree. I think with that whole situation, the, the way that the media is trying to spin it is bullshit. That that man was a, that was a man that. Um, Went into that school, opened fire. I don't care what kind of... We all got psychological issues. We all depressed. You know what I'm saying? We all going through shit. Fuck that. So, you know know what I'm saying? But you look at uh, us going to a suburban school versus us going to um, uh, um, an urban school. Like, I I had firsthand experience with, like, going to an urban school. I went to Roosevelt and South St. Louis for... Uh, night school, I went for summer school and I went for extended day school, you know what I'm saying and I got a chance to see the difference of the two and I have to say that going to Roosevelt, though you might see a fight here and there like you would at any school there was no incident with guns or anything else compared to going to Webster Webster Groves, which was a suburban school in in Missouri we went during a period where there was a, a threat of school shooting there was a threat of oh, a bombing man. we
1: had bombings Bomb we had the threats. fire yeah it was, was, just, it was, was plenty. Lot.
0: And and you know what i'm saying i was saying and what's crazy is that i remember going to webster after graduate after graduating and was able to walk through that side door over there that came up the steps by like 104 and it's no security it's no nothing you can walk right in go right to a classroom do whatever where on the other hand going to roosevelt you had to come in, whether you was a parent or not. You got your bag checked. You walked through the metal detectors, yeah. and you were escorted to the office. Exactly. So I feel like, like, so. What? You, my next thing, kind of bouncing off. It's still the same subject, but kind of bouncing off of that. They're starting to try to throw up the thing of some kind of new gun regulations on should should the screening be pro, should it be a, a tougher screening for getting a gun or what? Or should the laws be altered? What you feel about that?
1: Uh. Listen, I I really don't feel like, and this is is my opinion, and I know there is some truth behind it, when it comes to politicians, when it comes to law enforcement in general, you have a lot of people who are really crooked. So even before Missouri became a right-to-carry state, you had a lot of guns on the street. You had, even then, St. Louis was considered the number one dangerous city in the country. So, becoming, you know, getting to the point where you're getting stricter laws, like, it, to me, I really don't feel like it's going to do anything because before it was a right to carry state, we had all these issues. Right. And kind of just bouncing back um, to what you were saying as far as, like, with the metal detectors, um, when everything happened with this young man in Florida, it was to the point where I had seen one of my Facebook friends say, you know, and I'm, I don't want to generalize things, but I'm to tell you why I'm saying this, but... They were saying that, you know, pretty much you have all the metal detectors in black schools, but you haven't seen anybody going to a black school and shoot up a black school.
2: Right. You
1: haven't seen that. But in these white schools, you don't have metal detectors. I remember when, we went, when I was in eighth grade, the end of the year, this little boy wrote out a hit list on everybody that he wanted to kill and came to school, had the gun in his locker. Mm-hmm. So in situations like that it makes me it doesn't matter how many, you know, laws you pass or whatever the case may be. I really don't feel like we're in a country or even not even necessarily just this country in a day and age in general in this world that regardless of whatever measures you decide that you want to take. We're not going to be safe because you always are going to have that one person that's going to go against the grain and do something that's going to benefit them, whether it's leaking drugs or leaking guns on the streets. They're going to do something that feels like it's going to benefit them in in the long run.
0: See, my, my thing with the whole situation um somebody asked me this question about what i felt about it And I me mean, personally i'm on the fence because i like for one thing if you're not active military um i can't understand why you would need a military weapon in your home unless you served before and you just keep it as a trophy something like that but like if you just a nineteen-year-old boy that couldn't Burley pass high school, yeah. and you got a military gun at home, and people know that you have this military yeah. gun, and your parents that you live with it, or they're aware of this, and they're not doing anything to see a problem in that. I got a problem with that. And next first thing, second thing is, I'm a gun. I'm a gun owner. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I like toting my gun. I like having gun collections on, and all of that. But my thing is this. It's not guns. It's stupid motherfuckers with guns. You know and what I'm saying? And
1: that's exactly what I was about to say when you said as far as with military. I have a problem whether it's military or not you have a gun because what you have to realize is you have a lot of people who go to the military. They fight in these wars. They come back with these illnesses that our government, a lot of times, they don't really care about these people. They They're don't. not taking care of these people at the VA. So they really have issues. They have mental issues. So, I have a problem with a person who done went over to Iraq, came back, and you got a gun in your house. Just like that situation that happened in Texas when that man h- had got killed. I can't think of his name. um, But they made a movie about it. It's just like... Uh,
0: yeah, we're, 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 in
1: a, we're in a world of sick individuals. And, so and that
0: man really... in uh, Vegas. That man yeah. in Vegas. Like, <laughs> so, what I think... This, and this is my proposal to everything. To solve a lot of shit. I don't know if nobody will take me up on it. But I personally feel like that... We're at a time now, let's quit trying to change the laws, quit trying to punish people who don't do nothing wrong with their gun and make it tougher for them. It's We're at a point in time where these establishments need to be held accountable for the safety of their building. It's just like when you go to the airport. Before 9-11, it was real lax. You can go to the airport, you know what I'm saying, do whatever, get on the plane, fly wherever. After 9-11, mm-hmm. it got real tight. They started implementing that you can't walk people to the gate no more. Yeah. You, you can't, uh, you gotta go through certain, uh, metal detectors, hold your hands above your head. And you don't get mad at them for that. You know what I'm saying? You just do what you gotta do to get your ass through that. Where on the other hand, like, we get upset with, like, you go to a bar, you be like, they got metal detectors. I don't know if I wanna come in here, they got <laughs> metal detectors. But it's, it's the thing about, that's the safest place you can be. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean- so so my thing with the whole thing, at a school, I go to a school, I look at the school, I like the curriculum, I like the setup, I feel safe bringing my child here because I'm thinking that y'all creating a safe environment. Mm-hmm. So my thing is, it's up to y'all to uphold it. So how, like, like, taking it back past the guy in Florida, but let's take it up to like Sandy Hooks a couple years ago. A grown man goes into Sandy Hooks Elementary School. He shoot a gang of elementary children with a high powered uh, military gun. Yeah. Why the fuck are is there access for a stranger, a man, a grown man, or even if he have a gun? Why a man shouldn't be on the campus of a children's school if he don't have children, nieces, or something there? That make you think like like why weren't y'all policing that building a little tighter to make sure the strangers can't walk up into that school? It, it's like
1: I mean. <laughs> I I I I tend to be some sort of like a conspiracy theorist <laughs> from time to time, and you know I know when we were in school, you know even when you know people were coming, you still had people walking the halls. You had people checking if somebody didn't need to be there, then they weren't there. They had to sign into in the office when they were coming into the school, or even just picking up somebody. You had to be verified. You had to show your ID. Um, even just like the whole situation when it came to um, the shooting, the movie theater shooting. Mm -hmm. If I'm not mistaken, I believe he came through the exit door. I don't know what exit door you can come in and the alarm don't go off. So I just feel like a lot of the stuff, it's a setup, but at the same time, Regardless of whatever measures we take, it's always gonna be that one person that's gonna break the rules. It's always gonna be that one person that's gonna put everybody in harm's way. Think about all these church
0: shootings and I, I don't agree
1: safe nowhere
0: I, and I agree, but I feel like damn, if you got the damn dirt officer at the school, and the damn dirt officer ain't worth the shit to stop nothing. God, like, and you I, think about...
1: Well, it. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, <laughs> the, the older I got, I started just thinking, okay, well, either they asked to be in this program or they got put into this program because they didn't do something correctly on their job.
0: But you think about this. When you go to an establishment, let think about the school. When the cafeteria closes, that cafeteria be on lockdown. You're not getting access and, to the money. You're not and, getting access... You know what I'm saying? When you listen, think about... You change. think about the movie theater. Where it comes <laughs> to their money, their ticket sales, all that shit is on lockdown. So We're well, we not going
1: to get on the cafeteria situation because I almost had to beat up a cafeteria lady <laughs> <laughs> in high school. Thugging. So we're not going to get on that.
0: Thugging yeah. in a major way. Yeah,
1: I was thugging. You know, the principal had to beg me to leave out of the, the cafeteria because the lady's about to get it. <laughs> but, <laughs> I mean, I guess, and I guess it's one of those things that, you know, I guess, when they say you're a product of your environment, and saying, "Oh, well, it's not too many people that you can trust," so I don't like people standing behind me. I'm always looking over my shoulder. Yeah. So in any situation, if somebody tells me, "Oh, it's safe to go here," it's safe to do this, it's safe to do that, I don't trust it because, yeah. like I said, you have you've had all these church shootings, and it. <laughs> I mean, and that's the one place where anybody should feel like they can go to as a refuge and be safe, and you can't.
0: And, and I feel like it's it's the... I don't know. I'm just starting to feel like the... Like I said, using the airport as an example, when the airport started getting threats or something major happened, you're not seeing that shit again. they locking that shit down. They start doing all precautions to make sure that that stuff happened. And if it did happen, it was to a minimum. You know what I'm saying? And I feel like it's, starting, it's to the point now that if we can look and see that there's no incidents in urban city schools, maybe these these uh, suburban schools need to take some lessons and start getting some metal detectors, start getting some cops. You think about
2: yeah.
0: Webster Groves got all them damn cops sitting on the clock from from all 6 a.m. Yeah. to <laughs> 6 p.m. just sitting on the clock milking me. I, I yeah. feel like they every school need to have a substation at their superintendent's office. And it needs to, like, they just need to pay close attention. It should be good. Like, I remember uh, Roosevelt again. Roosevelt had, it was this one dude named Sarge. Sarge was the toughest police officer ever. If you got a line with him, he didn't slam students in the lockers. I ain't saying he's supposed to do that. But but some of them students would tell you to this day that they thank God that he did that for them. You know what I'm saying? Because (laughs) he didn't didn't play. I mean, well, that's one thing about black
1: parents in general. It takes a village. And if yeah. you gotta, I remember Wrong told a few people, if they see me doing something wrong, then it was okay to whip my ass. And I yeah. was offended. <laughs>
0: and, and it's just like, I remember going to Roosevelt. If you missed first period and you thought you was gonna walk up in our second period and roam the school and do whatever, then you'll come to that first gate and you'll be about to check in. And they'll say, Well, let me see your badge. And then you show them the badge. And they'll be like, Oh, okay, Gary. Well, try it again tomorrow because you late. <laughs> and we go, this is an absence. So you go head back home. You'll try again tomorrow. They didn't play about this shit. So that's that's another thing. You got this guy coming walking up into the school. I'm not sure what time he came up into the school. I really tried to avoid this story because I just knew it was gonna be spun into some bullshit. You know. So I really tried to avoid getting details and reading into it. I'm,
1: I'm gonna circle back to this to your your airport comment because, and this is another reason why I'm going to say that I don't feel safe regardless of where I'm at. You had airport security and TSA that took certain measures prior to 9-11 happening. 9-11 happened, they went through all these different measures saying, oh, well, you can't bring these items on the airplane. This is how you have to check in, all that stuff. Now, I used to work at the airport. I didn't see people, including employees, have access to locations where they should not have had access to and it's one of those things where it's like okay but with all these threats all these things happening i've even worked in the airport when there has been a bomb threat and you still had all these things going on and it's like okay well you have these security measures why are these things still happening? Just like the guy who ship try to ship himself from one place to another and put his stuff in that box. Yeah. Like, how the heck could you even? It, like, they had a movie about people doing stuff like that. So when you did all these measures preparing for nine eleven, why the heck didn't you think of coming up with something to monitor a whole body being in a box? <laughs> like I can't lie, like I <laughs> when
0: I went to um uh, I went to Orlando um in November and. Coming back to Orlando, you know, you got to go to your checkpoints, scan your bags and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. So when I went through Orlando, it was real packed, real packed. But Orlando did not give a fuck about following the message. You know, I was like, sir, I'm like, I'm like, sir, do I need to take my belt off? He like, nah, keep it on. I'm like, sir, do I need to take my jacket off and put it on the belt? He like, nah, keep it on. Now, you know, going through out of Dallas. Did they like me, you. You definitely got to be naked well, walking through there.
1: And see that—that's where I was going to say. I, I had actually, you went to Orlando. I went to um, Miami
0: mm-hmm. in
1: July. When I went to DFW, for one, the whole just even getting through the gate, going through TSA. Lovefield is more organized than DFW, in my opinion.
2: Yeah.
1: I went through there, dropped my ticket, you know, came back, got my ticket. Just walking through that sucker, nobody cared. But TSA, Lovefield, a smaller airport, and it's not an international airport. They shut that down real quick.
0: hmm. Yeah.
1: So. I don't know. <laughs> so it's I, just
0: crazy. I, I just really feel like don't mess with the guns. You niggas need to. Take care of y'all schools and make sure that don't nobody have access to roaming y'all schools, especially with guns. You know what I'm saying? Like I feel like, if, like my friend was saying the other day. He said I never understood how you could put a sign on your building to say no guns are allowed, but then not take the extra measure to make sure the guns aren't coming onto your premises. But how in 2018 are we still working on the honesty policy? You know what I mean? Like it you don't. Know, I mean. Like, that dude going to that hotel in Vegas and shooting out the window. How do how do how do, you, how do you do that? Like, you know what I'm saying? He had
1: help. We th- That's just going to sum that up. We're yeah. not going to sugarcoat that. He had help. And can't nobody tell me otherwise. Because i seen the videos. And I done been to be- uh, Vegas within the last year. No. So, I know how that's set up. So, we're not going to go there. But, I mean, to be honest. He was honest, bomb, man. Huh? He was the fireman. Yeah. They set that fool up. You ain't seen the video. <laughs>
0: Nah, I ain't seen no I video. I seen that video. They
1: shoot from multiple angles.
0: I, I know I need to do better with like following up on these news reports.
1: But it's depressing. But I really,
0: it's really, it's so depressing, dude. Yeah. It's just like, I don't want to watch it. I, I get Like, I heard something happen. I take a deep breath and everybody be like, did you hear? Did you hear? Yeah, I heard. And I just don't look no more because it's just like, I'm like coming from St. Louis, especially where it's a RIP every fucking day on Facebook. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm tired of seeing death, man. I'm tired of seeing negativity. So it's just like, I'm, I'm burnt out.
1: Closer. Every time you turn around, it's, it's like it gets closer and closer to home. So
0: it's yeah. just like it just can't take it no more. Yeah. So you, you said you saw that um, interview with uh, Monique and um, Charlamagne.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I seen that. Oh um, my
0: god. Uh, so, geez. so uh, according to uh, everything going, everybody know the Monique situation as far as like she's boycotting Netflix because she feel like they're gender bias and race bias. and of course. It's a lot of people that have a lot of opinions about it, uh, including Charlemagne, the guy. And eventually, uh, I guess they crossed paths and they invited uh, Monique onto the show where she was able to address Charlemagne, giving her donkey of the other day. And what I have to say about that, I'm going to let you take this, but <laughs> God, I ain't never seen nobody have their foot on Charlemagne neck so bad, man. Like that shit was mean, so I funny. Don't, I don't
1: know. You know, baby, you know, <laughs> situation. I mean, uh, um, when it to me, in, in my opinion, I felt like there were some valid points that she was making. I mean, that would, you know, be quite true in other aspects, you know, dealing with in other situations. But I also feel like you took advantage of the fact that Netflix, Netflix that's a huge platform. So because you were not offered what you felt like you needed to be offered, you know, I felt like you decided to pretty much take it and run with it. And at the same time, you know, looking at, you know, what not only Charlemagne, but even DJ Envy was talking about, you know, it's it's a business move. Yes. You know, you kept saying that you were in this movie, but to be honest, you know, even though I've seen the movie, I, when she kept saying, oh, you know, I was in this movie, I'm like, well, what is this movie? I can't even think of it. Like, if I... It's one of those things where if I'm not seeing your face constantly and I'm not seeing you doing things, then I'm not going to want to see anything new that you're doing right now. Like you need to make me laugh prior to me even wanting to do all of this.
0: I agree. I feel like if he was definitely like a person like Kevin Hart going through the same issue, he'd have a lot more supporters because of the way that he's out here fighting for, for people, helping people, giving back to people. You know what I'm saying? And he's he's consistent and current with his material and everything. Monique, on the other hand, like, I mean, yes, she was in that movie, but we really haven't seen Monique since before, um, like, right around Precious or something.
1: I mean, she she was doing a little, you know, a little comedy here and there, but, but that, that's a problem that I have.
0: With relevancy, to, do you know one Monique joke? <laughs>
1: uh, yeah. You, you do? Yeah, her her hair and her legs,
0: and so that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but see like I like with, with people who who doing something now, like she can put herself to Chappelle. I can call off a Chappelle joke. I can call off a Chris Rock joke, I can call off a Kevin Hoy joke, even though he wasn't a part of the list. But I, I don't know nothing about no Amy Schumer. I'm gonna be real with you. I don't follow her. I don't even know if she's funny or not. She's not. She's really
2: not.
0: But it's like I can definitely tell you like When you say legendary comedians, I can tell you a Robin Harris joke. I can tell you a Richard Pryor joke. I can tell you a real Fox joke, an Eddie Murphy joke, so on and so on. Legendary people. I can't tell you no Monique joke. The biggest joke I know she had running is that she was talking about uh, being fat versus the skinny chicks. I don't know nothing about.
1: And that was her hook. But now that she's not as fat as she used to be, she she can't use it.
0: it. You know what I'm saying? I mean, but.
1: You know, it's one of those things. And, you know, she kept mentioning that she had sold out arenas and they had all these shows. But I don't remember you having those shows. And if I'm not mistaken, she probably was on the most recent roster when they had broad comedy shows. in Dallas. But even then, you know, she's not somebody that I'm going to jump up to go see.
0: And, and, and she was like she was on the sold out show of um, Queens of Comedy. Granted, she was the host. The host didn't really have no real jokes to the, the pitch. And that was how many years ago?
1: exactly, that's exactly what I was about to say I was probably in like 7th or
0: 8th grade when I came out <laughs> <laughs> so that's the thing, like, like I'm sorry, like, and I'm for black women getting everything that they deserve I'm for all women getting I'm for everybody just being equal equal pay, pay for the I'm for everybody getting paid for the experience and, and what they can bring to the table, you know what I'm saying, I don't think nobody should get something just because you're a black woman and you feel like you should get it because you are the only black woman doing something or you legendary or whatever. I don't like to me, I believe in people, you know what I'm saying? If somebody get going out for a job and it requires a degree and somebody without a degree is going out for the job, they can't be mad. You know what I mean? Just because they've been doing the job longer. You got to go with the people who got that skill or whatever. I don't know. But personally, I feel like Monique is, she tripping. I feel like she tripping. I feel like they it's real people out here, it's real women out here, it's real black women out here that's on the job where they actually having some gender and race bias. You know what I'm saying? It's some real women out here who are not being valued and and they're going through it every day. You know what I'm saying? It's some women coming home breaking down and crying and depressed and stressed out because of they're not Feel inequality at their jobs or or at their schools. It's real shit going on out here. And and to be like, yeah, I'm not gonna take five hundred thousand. We should boycott Netflix because it's gender and race bias. I'm not seeing gender and race bias. Not to mention, you speaking just on com- comedy. What about Shonda Rhimes who got over some uh, over a million dollar deal as well to produce uh, content for Netflix? I
1: mean, and. <laughs> <laughs> I mean it, it goes on. Um, so it's some. And if anybody
0: and if anybody in comedy deserve legendary status and deserves a high paid Netflix special out of veteran women co- comics, it's some more. Samoa been grinding like fuck forever. I don't know not one year that some more didn't have a tour going. You know what well, I'm, I'm saying? I like I don't
1: know too much about some more. Like But I this this is what I will say. I, I was really irritated because I felt like because Charlamagne wasn't telling her what she felt like he needed to say, that she was being like a real bitch about everything. She was. And it was to the point where she kept, you know, she was trying to use examples. Oh, well, you know, if they offer Tiffany Havish this and this and that, you know, you know, she'll probably take it in this and this and that. And it's like they have offered her something. She has a show coming out. And she has had something that's more recent to the point where you had girls Trip. I can't even tell you how many jobs this woman got after yeah. she done been on Girls Trip. Even when she had an interview and she was talking about how she was, you know, trying to promote Groupon to Jada, yeah. she got to deal with Groupon doing stuff. She's doing more active, and that's, that's somebody that you're seeing right now that's doing more work, and that's who they're going to go for.
0: And see, and that's what I feel like with Monique. I feel like that she went up to the breakfast club, and because she talks, she, she was soft-spoken when she spoke. And she used big words and she spoke eloquently. People was like, Oh, Monique is on top. And she she really knows what she's talking about. But when you, if you listen to the conversation, Charlemagne was asking her things like, Did y'all do a counter offer? Did y'all do a counter offer? And she was like, Yes, we did a counter offer and her husband was like, babe, no we didn't. We didn't do a counter offer because this, this Well, I did this. I did
1: hear him say that, so, but so it was one of those things was, where he also, he pretty much, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I kind of feel like, you know, he, you know, pretty much kind of laid it out on the table to them what type of deals that they were used to. And they told them then, well, even if you try to come back with a counter offer, we're not going to accept it.
0: Yeah. but It's it's just to the point that Monique was saying, yeah, we did a counter offer. So you could tell that she didn't know what the fuck she was talking about for the most part. I,
1: I just feel like it was one of those things where she, was put in a situation. She felt like she had to defend herself. Now, one thing I will agree with then what she said, um, and, you know, of course they always have the donkey of the day, but when she was saying how, you know, you are calling me a donkey of the day and, you know, what type of example are you setting to other people? Like, that opens up the leeway for other people to criticize what she's doing and when I mean other people, other Black people. And at the same time, it's like, when it comes to these major corporations or white people in general, when they see us constantly beating beating each other down, yeah. they gonna want to do it. And they they gonna think there's nothing wrong with it.
0: See, and I feel like with this, like I feel like she took it too personal. You know what I'm saying? I feel like that Dunky. Everybody who watched The Breakfast Club or Power 105, on Five, they know about the series of Dunky other day. You know what I'm saying? Um, I feel like he when she, when he gave her Dunky of the other day, he explained then why he gave her Dunky of the other day. I feel like the like she didn't want to be the Dunky of the other day, but I feel like there's it's plenty of people that he didn't gave Dunky of the other day. I didn't agree with you know what I mean? Yeah. But that's just his that's his. Well, I mean, angle.
1: we deal, we are dealing with a whole different type of breed. Monique has always been very controversial.
0: Because that's like now a lot of people now when I look at the comments and I look at the comments and I follow up uh, with her being on the show. It's a lot of people who like, yeah, I now agree with Monique. Not because of what the situation was with the Netflix deal, but because they felt like Monique out talked her way with Charlemagne. You know what I'm saying? So and, now, and the
1: way she did, she was trying to she was trying to get loud with him. But so it was then. like, it was like
0: because Charlemagne's such a powerful person and a lot of people don't like him. Anybody who can I don't like Charlamagne I'm a Charlamagne fan. I ain't going to lie to you. I, I don't like Charlamagne. Like, <laughs>
1: <but laughs> and listen, I, I don't really care for this young lady either, but I just, I really, I, and this is like, he, I was kind of like on the iffy side when it came to him, but when little mama came on there and he made her cry. They did another interview with her, and he swore up and down that he didn't say nothing negative to make her cry. And when you replay the video, you can clearly see everything that he was saying that he didn't do. This man did it, and and my and even when it came to um, like the whole baby situation. Anytime somebody has came besides Monique, anytime from what I've seen, anytime people come to the Breakfast Club to confront him, he bitch up.
0: I feel like I feel like one thing that I like about Charlemagne man. His vision
2: not bad
0: One thing I like about him is that he say what everybody else is thinking but are too afraid to say I feel like that, that the one thing I feel like the one thing with Charlemagne though is, and and people expect Charlemagne gonna say whatever about you and gonna be ready to fight you nah Charlemagne will tell you from the gate I'm like dude I do interviews you know what I'm saying I'm not really? gonna fight you I'm the radio guy and so, like, when people <laughs> like Birdman came on the show and was like, damn from the cry and shit, you know what I'm saying? No,
1: listen. Okay, so this goes back to me living in New Orleans. Uh-huh. I'd have been in, in a straight club and had people walking next to me, shoulder to shoulder, with Wayne from Cash Money, and me saying something and them really looking like they about to murk me. Yeah. So, had it not been recorded, it, look, Charlotte would have got got it handed to him.
0: I, I believe it. I believe that, but I believe like that. What I felt Birdman was whack for that. But
2: like, and and, and well, what of I'm gonna say, he
0: was really whack. I, I'm say, so I say he whack because one thing, going with that 1990s uh, radio show <laughs> intimidation shit. Like, come on, but man. But listen,
1: but listen, and you should know this because you dated people from New Orleans. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's trying to intimidate him. That's something that they do on a regular. That's but real to
0: them. They they do, but you got to get out of here with that shit. Like they're
1: not gonna get out of it. That that's that's what they live on a day to day basis. They gotta hey, it's a survival of the fittest. But that ain't that ain't the world outside of New Orleans. It's not,
0: but, they, but many people don't know the world outside of New
1: Orleans.
0: See, and that's the thing. I'm like that. Like when he came on there, he came on there with 150 people. You know what I'm saying, and it's the thing. <laughs> like he coming out hundred, and, and then they was hundred and fifty young boys. Like they were not really no veteran goons. But well, he
1: hangs around a lot of young boys.
0: Listen, so, just
1: let's get back to Charlemagne real quick. <laughs> I could respect Charlemagne more if you stood behind everything that you said when you had that person face to face instead of being a Twitter thug. That's just like the whole situation when Brandy and Monica went on there. You had a whole lot to say. But when they were in in your face, you couldn't say none of that stuff to Brandy Face. Quit being a a Twitter thug and own up to your shit. I
0: feel like with with Monique, he kept the same energy.
1: That's the only person he's ever done that with. I feel
0: like I feel like with Birdman, he kept the same energy. I I feel feel like like
1: with Birdman, he 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 kind of suppressed it. With Monique, he probably thought, "Oh, I can take her." See, I feel like
0: Birdman. I I feel like Birdman came on the show with that energy and. Charlemagne (laughs)
1: Charlemagne wasn't expecting
0: it But Charlemagne still said Said what he felt And 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 Birdman And Birdman Came on there and ran out No
1: because Birdman Was waiting for that nigga To say something stupid I want I'm listening, And I'm just me If you say something About me behind my back I want you to say that To my face So I can tee off on you Right then
0: Yeah, I don't know.
1: I, I, I
0: just like, I like the fact. They knew he was about that life. I, I like the fact that, like, and this was crazy because, like, they asked Sheldon, man, they was like, you ever thought somebody was going to attack you? And he was like, yeah. And they was like, who? And this was like some interview I think he did with Vlad or something. He was like, who was the one person you thought was going to do so? He said, dog, the one person I thought out of all the interviews I ever did that was going to really jump off, he was like, was Nelly. <laughs> He was like, he was like, Nelly said some shit to me that I, he said it scared me. He said, uh, um, I, I asked him something and Nelly looked at me and was like, I keep retainers for, uh, for, for niggas like you, cuz. And he was like, that shit scared him. Like, it he should. was like, do you know what that means? Does, like, that does mean he, he know keeps, where he's from? It he's
1: like, <laughs> he said, do you know what that
0: means? He said, that I mean, that nigga keeps a lawyer to deal with him going off. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I was like, yeah, I believe. But, so that shit crazy though. I think Monique. Um, I, I I feel like what she did going on the to me. I feel like it was a plot. It was a scheme that she went on the Breakfast Club. She knew exactly what she was gonna say. She knew how she was gonna end it. That that whole thing she said about you, you're the brother. We have to lead into the the lady's yeah. wife. You you. She practiced that. She practiced yeah, that she at did. home. To me, when she came in the, in the studio and she hugged Charlamagne, was like, hey baby. That shit was fake because you knew well, you knew how you was going to end that shit. Well,
1: not not only that, all of it was fake because you see how she tried to read
0: uh, Angela. Yeah, and, and then if you notice, I, don't, I, I saw the interview a little bit before it actually aired because she pulled out her tablet and went on Periscope in the middle of the interview while she was talking. Yeah, i seen it. The shit is staged, man, but but th- this is the thing. I feel like that her and her husband, they have used this incident with Netflix to... Re- to Bring her more relevance. You know what I'm saying? Then she knew Charlemagne was one of the top dogs in talking shit. He liked the Wendy Williams. You know what I'm saying? Of his time, and she knew. Yeah. Yeah. And so she she knew that she had to go to Charlemagne, shit Charlemagne down, and get people to shift. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) And I feel like that's what she's doing because I feel like now. I mean,
1: even with that, I don't mean to cut you off, but even with that, don't they all have some type of stunt to get publicity?
0: I feel like it, yeah. But I just feel like that, yeah, Monique really... She don't give a fuck about that Netflix deal. She knows that she probably worked with that. Because
1: well, I mean, yeah. when she
0: went through... If you looked over the last couple of weeks, she attacked Netflix. She attacked Will Packard. She attacked anybody who said anything against her. Uh, I
1: mean, but... To be honest, and let's be real, if you felt passionate about something that you've done that was, you know, publicized like that, don't you think that you would defend yourself against every single person?
0: Maybe, maybe. Or I feel like that because I I said, you think about this. Let's sit down and think about this. If Monique talking some real shit, did black women go through the hardest shit? You know what I'm saying? As far as like uh, black women comics go through the hardest shit. I peeped something, and I was thinking about this today. I said, why haven't any other black women comics took a, a stand of solidarity with Monique at this time and be like, you know what? She's right. We do go through this. I stand with her. But I haven't know you know the reason why? I haven't heard nobody But I know the reason why
1: they have not done that? Uh-huh. Because they're afraid that by standing with Monique, considering the fact that she does have the reputation that she has, they're afraid that they're not going to get jobs. Wanda Sykes mm. didn't say nothing. She didn't come out publicly, even yeah, after Mommy put it out a, there. From she, a
0: private conversation. She
1: still has not came public.
0: I think that's whack, though. I feel like she's looking for everybody else to stand with her. You need to get your yeah. sister to stand with you. Even,
1: even when she tried to put, oh, well, if they do this and this and that with Tiffany Haddish, you need to do your homework when you was telling Shoraz LaMaine that he needed to do his, because she had already had a deal. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's shit crazy to me, man. I don't know. Like, I think money tripping. But hey, you. We're going to wrap it up right here. Thank y'all for tuning in. It's another episode of Crown Jewels Podcast with your boy g motor Great. Definitely go ahead and hit me up on our social media platforms at Instagram at Crown Jewels Podcast. Also on Facebook at Crown Jewels Podcast. Also on Twitter at pie If you got any questions, if you want to feature on the show, bring your brands on the show, want to do any promo, or anything like that, you can definitely reach me at CrownJuice at gmail.com.